This episode of Author Stories is brought to you by the Writing Mastery Academy. Founded by Jessica Brody, author of the best-selling plotting guide, Save the Cat Writes a Novel. The Writing Mastery Academy features online, on-demand writing courses, including the official Save the Cat Writes a Novel companion course, novel fast drafting, crafting dynamic characters, and productivity hacks for writers to name just a few, plus monthly live webinars on various writing topics. Go to jessicabrody.com slash hank to learn more and get your first month of unlimited access to all the content for just $6. That's right, just $6. jessicabrody.com slash hank. You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret White. Terry Brooks. Sheena Kamal. Matthew Quick. J.T. Ellison. Walt D. Williams. Brad Ford. Corey Doctorow. Brandon Sanders. Robin Mom. Ernest Klein. Jim Butcher. Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Today's guest on the show is Jane Healy. She has a brand new book that is available everywhere today. It is called The Secret Stealers. We had a little uh, rough weather as the uh, as the show recording started, uh, so we didn't get the first couple of minutes. Uh, but but we I, I was just introducing her and I asked her the question, uh, you know, about how this last pandemic year has affected her as a writer. So uh, join me in progress uh, as I talk to Jane Healy, author of The Secret Stealers. On March 1st of last year. Um, So I I was, in hindsight, I'm so grateful because the hardest part for me uh, of the whole writing process is getting that first draft down on paper. And so then, so the past year has really been the various stages of the editorial process. And, um, you know, it's been great in some ways to have this project to throw myself into during a pandemic, but it's also been challenging because my husband has not been back to the office. My daughter's, today was their very first day back at school, like full time in the, they've they've been hybrid, but this is the whole school's back today, which is amazing, but it's, it's been challenging trying to work from home. And it's not like I could go to a coffee shop like I normally would or a library. So, um, so yeah, challenging for sure. But, um, but I was, you know, it was, I have a wonderful editorial team and we got it done. So as a person who writes historical fiction, uh, most of it based in times where, uh, you know, the world is in chaos and, uh, you know, hard times and hardships are are, are met by everyone. Um, you know, did you get this feeling, you know, during the last year, like, oh, my gosh, I'm living in one of my books? I, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about the historical context of the past year because I have teenage daughters and I'm, I'm I think about like what that generation, they're 14 and 17, what they're going to be thinking about 10 or 20 years from now about this time and and the writing that's going to come out of this time period and all of those things. I think one of the things that people seem are gravitating towards historical fiction right now is because it there's there's a lot of stories of people going through really hard times in history and coming out the other side okay and i think that's really um you know a, a positive thing when when you're going through history yourself 
Yeah. Um, for folks who, who might not have heard uh, the last episode that we did, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes where people can go back and listen. Um, but uh, you how when did you realize that you wanted to be a novelist, that this was something that you you had to pursue? You know, on, quite honestly, um, very, very young. This is uh, maybe third grade. I'd al- I've always wanted to write novels, but um, it just took me a little while to get here. I took a, a long meandering road like many authors do. I, I was a pragmatic high schooler and college student, so I, I ended up in high tech because it would pay off my student loans. And in the back of my mind, though, it was always like, well, someday I'm going to write fiction. Someday I'm going to write these books. And and it was really when my daughters were born and I started freelance writing because I needed a, you know, I was lucky enough to work from home, more flexible job with them that I was, you know, I think having kids, it just makes you like question, well, now or never, Jane, when are you going to do this? So that's when I really started taking it seriously. And then my first novel, The Saturday Evening Girls Club was um, published in 2017. What is it about historical fiction that that draws you so? Um, I love research. I also really look at his, the history as a jumping off point for the story, for the narrative. Um, and there's so many little undiscovered stories in history, in whether it's World War II or any other time, um, that I think that we're still learning about. So that's, it, it, that's really what draws me to it. I love the research, and I love using those true stories as, as a jumping off point for a fictional version of the events. Your your last two books, specifically the, the new book and um, uh, Beantown Girls, uh, were you know based in in early to mid twentieth century. Um, what is it about this particular time period that that uh, that it captures your imagination? You know, we we've had uh, an abundance of great World War II, especially uh, historical fiction that's come out the last couple of years, and and I catch yeah. myself wondering. Like, why are these stories so important right now? And and why do you think writers are are focusing on this time period? Is it because we are getting just far enough away from this event that we're we still have or at least we had a handful of people uh, still alive from this period that that are just gradually dying off and we're losing some of the personal stories from then? I think you hit the nail on the head, quite honestly. I think, you know, I for me, um, you know, my grandfather, I was very close with, he passed away several years ago, but he was a firefighter on the Navy ships in World War II off the coast of Africa and Europe. And that is why, personally, it's always been a period of time in history that's been fascinating. But I think that we, as collectively, people feel like we're losing that generation now and I think that's part of the interest in it. And I think that's part part of the reason why so many people are writing about it. I know like with the Beantown Girls, I ju- I, there are two, at least two of the original World War II Bean, uh, Red Cross Clubmobile Girls still alive, but they're 100 years old. So there's just not that many of that generation left. And it's, I think it's to honor their memories and their stories and preserve them and, and celebrate them. What is it about this time period that makes us look back, um, obviously at the horror of of what was going on, but makes us look back so fondly on the people um, that that we meet during this time period? Um, What made them special? 
I think, you know, that people talk probably a little too much about the greatest generation, but I think that, you know, it, it was a very clear um, good versus evil in World War II. So I think there's that aspect of it. And, and a, a, there's a lot of stories of that generation of people, ordinary people in extraordinary times who really rose to the occasion and became heroes. Um, you know, you, you hear about them all the time. They're still under, especially some of the stories of the women, they're more undiscovered and just coming to light. But I think that's what it is. It, you know, it was it, it was a time period where everyone had to kind of step up, whether they were on the home front or they were fighting abroad in some way. Yeah, and and we all can uh, can draw some sort of connection to this time period into the people, even um, you know if it's if it's tenuous at, at best. They, they it it kind of reminds us of of who we are in a way. Yes, exactly, and and the best version of ourselves. I think yeah. I think that those people really represent the best version of Americans of the Allies. Absolutely. So when you release the Beantown Girls, um, you know when you when you finish that project and and you are know, out promoting it and and getting to talk to people back when when we could talk to people and and do book tours and, and stuff like that. Um, what what was the reception that you got around that book? We talked just as the book was coming out, but you know when it had been out for a few weeks, a few months. What what was the the feedback you were getting from people? You know, it was really, um, it, you know, exceeded my expectations in every way, and it's still exceeding my expectations two years out. It's really been incredible. I mean, it, and it was, you know, it hit the Washington Post bestseller list and the Amazon Charts bestsellers. And, um, and you know, I'm still probably doing a few um, book clubs or organizations a month virtually where I present the history behind the story of that novel. And I'm still getting letters about that novel and people sharing their own personal stories. Um, so it's been, it's been incredible in the best possible way. It's been so, so great. So when you, when you finish a project like that and uh, you know, it has, uh, if you listen back to the, to the prior interview that we did there, there was, you know, so much of a personal connection there to that story. And, and it really felt like a, a labor of love in a, in a lot of ways. Um, I think I got from you and, um, and it was also your, your second book, your, your sophomore effort. And there's a lot of pressure that comes with that, with that second book that comes out. Yes. Um, when you then go to, to move on to the secret stealers, um, when did the idea for this book come to you and, and, and what were some of the historical nuggets that, that you learned about that kind of started this fire inside you? So I, you know, that's a great question. I keep a running, um, file of possible story ideas. So I actually found I, I when I was working on the Beantown Girls, I came across this article about this woman. Her name was Stephanie Check Raider. And um, towards the end of the war in, uh, in World War II, she was working in Poland, Poland, presumably for as a member of the embassy staff. But in reality, she was working for the Office of Strategic Services, the precursor to the CIA as a spy, um, stealing intelligence um, from the Russians at the time. It was towards the very, it was like 45, 46. And I didn't, you know, so that was the first article I came across that I was like, well, that's really interesting. I, I knew about, you know, the British SOE, which was a pre, kind of the counterpart to the CIA, the OSS, and they had female spies in World War II, but I didn't know that there were any American women over there. 
And so then I came across another article that I also filed away. And it was about these two old ladies in a retirement home. They were in their late 80s and they were in a retirement home community outside of D.C. And they lived on the same street and they found out that they had both served overseas as spies with the OSS during the war. And they never had met each other because one was in Asia and one was in Europe. Um, so that and and they were they talked about how even in their late 80s, they had a hard time sharing those stories because they were, you know, they, they were spies. They were supposed to not share anything with anyone, even their families. So um, that was really intriguing. And that kind of between, between those two articles that kind of sent me down the path because I was like, who are these women and what an extraordinary choice to make in the 40s to become a, a spy overseas for the American, you know, for the OSS. Um, and um, and then I just, you know, went down the research rabbit hole and was completely fascinated. So <clears throat> in the book, we meet Anna Kavanaugh and and she comes from a background that that you wouldn't think of as as spy. Um, how did how did this character come to you? How did you create her? Yes, Anna is um, really a composite of the different women that I read about that worked for the OSS, that went overseas for the OSS. Um, the OSS was founded by General William Donovan. He was a friend of Rose Roosevelt's from law school, and he had to build this organization from scratch very quickly. And he was, uh, you know, upper class from New York and Ivy League guy. So he he pulled from his own network of associates whether work associates, call, you know, alumni from from Columbia, um, and so the actually the organization earned the nickname "Oh So Snobby" or "Oh So Social" because a lot of the people that ended up working there were Ivy League grads, upper class, upper upper middle class, and so that is why Anna has more of a um, upper class background because that's the type of people they had they recruited very quickly, and that's the type a lot of those women. Um, kind of fit that profile. So um, how accessible was information about the OSS when when you start digging into this? Uh, like how much stuff is there out there to to dig into and to understand the inner workings? Well, now there's several books about it. There's some online resources. Um, they, the personnel files were only declassified in 2008, but those are available now online. And um, the, one of the things that is interesting that, that is still classified is the number of women who served overseas as undercover spies. Um, I don't think it's a large number from the U.S. I think it was it's some somewhere between 38 and a couple hundred. I say 38 because 38 women were trained at OSS parachute training school. And if you went to parachute school, you were going undercover. So. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's been interesting, but I, I was able to find quite a bit, particularly there's a couple of books about General Donovan because he was such an extraordinary character, the founder of the OSS and, and, um, Elizabeth McIntosh, one of the women, one of the elderly ladies in the article I mentioned, she wrote a book called Sisterhood of Spies about the women of the OSS. That was really a memoir about her life experience in the OSS, but also she interviewed several of the other women about their experiences. So that was that book was really a jumping off point for me um, to get into the story. Are you looking for software that helps you bring your novel to life? Novelize is a web-based writing app which allows you to access your work on any device with a browser and an internet connection. 
right from your desktop, laptop, tablet, or smartphone. Just get the novel written. Say goodbye to sticky notes. With our notebook on the side, you can keep track of all the important information you need to write your novel. We keep distractions to a minimum, help you track your progress, and encourage you to write more novels. You can even use the same notebook for your novels in a series. Outline, write, or organize your novel by switching between modes. You can write your outline notes while you're writing, and you can move scenes and chapters around anytime in the organize mode. Choose between the dark and light theme to help prevent eye strain so that you can stay immersed in your book. Novelize, the app for writers by writers. So when you're when you have this idea and you find this you know fascinating piece of history, um, how much research goes into um, before you can actually start writing the the characters and 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 and, and a story forms? Like what what is the 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 research and the pre writing process like? For me, it's so, so much research. <laughs> it was a lot. This one was, <laughs> I, I, you know, I say like the Beantown Girls was about the Red Cross Club Mobile Girl program in World War II. And there's only a finite amount of resources uh, in terms of research you can find about that program because it was pretty small. But this story is about the OSS. It, it, I pull in some stories about the women of the SOE. I pull in some stor- many stories about the French resistance, including one woman in particular, Jeanne Rousseau. And so, I mean, I could still be researching now. It's just a massive amount of research out there. And so, um, but for me, um, again, the research is the jumping off point. I, I, and my first, my outline is in some ways like a super messy first draft because it helps me organize my research and I outline chapter by chapter, scene by scene, event by event in the scene. So by the time I've outlined it all out, it helps me keep, you know, keep track of what research I need where, and I have a beginning and a middle and an end to the story. So when this is something that just truly fascinates me about historical fiction is that you are working within the confines of historical events things that actually happened and then you're you're telling us stories about um people that that are fully believable um in this uh in this series of events or in this time period um while taking the liberty to uh you know create characters who who may or may not have done you know this or that but within the confines of of things that actually happened um does when when you sit and, and just think about kind of the the weight of of what you're doing does is that ever just like crippling you know to, to daunting think, oh you, absolutely. daunting you know just, <laughs> yes. well it is because um you know and i i talk to my historical fiction author friends about this all the time you, you want you're you're maniacal about the research and getting the details right, you know, um, and 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 getting a, particularly the kind of macro historical events um, that happen in the novel, the dates and times. I mean, all those details you want to get them right. And so what I I kind of especially this book has some characters that were real life. General Donovan is in the novel and some of them are fictional. And I, one of the questions I always ask myself as I'm writing is if it did not happen, if this event or did not happen, could, could it have happened 
within the context of the time and place in history? Does it feel authentic to that time and place and, and what was going on in terms of historical events? Um, that's kind of one of my kind of questions I'm constantly asking as I write. Like, is this feasible? Does it feel organic, authentic, or are readers going to be like, eh, I don't buy it, you know? So, um, so that's, yeah, it, but it, it is, it's, it's, it's daunting. And if, if you think about it too much, you can, you can be paralyzed. <laughs> so <laughs> you're just going to plow right through. The Secret Stealers has some, some really great characters in the book. You meet some, some awesome people along the way. Um, do you start thinking about characters that will populate the story and, uh, you know, that, that Anna will interact with throughout her story, um, from the beginning? Like, what is the casting process like for you when you, when you start thinking of the characters that will inhabit your story? Um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about that from the very start because I think that, you know, people, people fall in love with characters and, and that doesn't mean every character has to be likable, but you have to be willing to, follow want to follow along on their journey not just the main character but all the other characters in the in the novel so I think a great deal about that from the very start and and this one um I did I do a lot of kind of thought thoughts and character sheets and different things like that to get a feel for who they are um but this one some of them kind of evolved as I wrote um for instance Tatiana who's uh, one of Anna's friends in the SOE um I didn't really expect her to have a such a, a such a large role in the novel and then it just it just felt right and made sense uh, and I love her as a character because she's really sassy and um and she was like a baguette girl working in Paris and um all of a sudden get, becomes a spy instead and and it turns out she was born for the role so and I had read about women like that and I thought that was really interesting France during this uh time period was a really interesting place kind of being on the front lines of what was happening uh while being separated in a way what did what did this setting offer you uh it, it you know as a storyteller um i oh i thought i think that it's it was so important and um i really felt like uh, particularly occupied paris was like another character in the book in a way and i actually um in october 2019 right before you know everything kind of shut down and um i went to paris for a week with my husband, I suffered through a research trip to Paris, um, <laughs> you know, and I found this historian, his name is Nigel Perrin, he's a professor and a historian and writer, and he special, you know, one of his specialties is occupied Paris and the French resistance, and I spent um, an entire day with him walking all over the city, taking notes, taking pictures, because he was just incredible resource in terms of knowledge about the places and where the French resistance lived and worked and, um, and all, all these different stories. And he really helped me. I, I, I'll tell you like that trip was amazing because it's Paris anyway, but um, it was incredibly valuable and really changed the narrative arc of the story because of particularly because of Nigel, but also just because of my research there. Speaking of that, you know, um, being in America, there's uh a lot of the country um 
has a very recent history and and by that uh, i mean uh, there are a lot of cities in america that are uh, you know a hundred years old or less uh i know uh boston is is different you know there's there's several hundred years of history there are some places in the deep south where i live have have several hundred uh years of history um but it, it's not that case with our our country as a whole. Um, when you go to a place like Paris and and start doing research, um, does it feel different there? But because they do have a you know almost a very ancient history uh, where this time period was only one piece of that very ancient history. Yes, I think that absolutely. I feel like anytime I go to Europe, it's humbling um, in terms like their depth of history is just humbling to me and, and fascinating. And you look at building buildings and structures and and museums and, and you think it's it just blows my mind because they have it's, like you said, they go back to ancient times. We go back to 1776. So it's right. very different. It's a very different feeling. And I just. Um, it's one of the reasons I love going to Europe is because the history is so rich. Absolutely. So now that the Secret Stealers is out, and uh, it, well, first off, uh, it was released as an uh, an Amazon first reads, uh, you know, uh, about a month or so, and offered to a, a huge chunk of the reading community um, in, in in Prime members. Um, what do you think about the reception that you've got from the book so far? Uh, you know, it's been it's been really, really wonderful. Knock on wood. I, I, I'm just so grateful. Um, I try after a certain point not to read reviews. But of course, when a book first comes out, you can't help yourself. And um, people seem to really be responding to it to really be loving the story and the and the characters like we talked about. And, and it's as a writer, it's just it's the most validating thing. It's everything to to see readers respond in a positive way to your work. Well, we're sitting here at launch, and there are, uh, you know, right at three thousand reviews uh, with a, a four point six, I think, uh, average. That that's exceptional for a launch day. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a gift to a writer, really. Oh, it's such a gift. I do not take any of it for granted. Being chosen by the editors for as an Amazon first reads was amazing, and I, you know, I give my my editor Alicia Clancy. Um, all the credit in the world for that. She's such a great advocate and and just a wonderful, like the best kind of editor to have. Absolutely. So so now that this book is out, uh, you know, to the world, um, you know, once it's released, a there, there's there's nothing more you can do. The book is is the book, <laughs> and it's it takes on a life of its own. Uh, but what are you what are you turning your attention to now? I think that um, I think the best thing, and I'm not always good at it, is to start working on another thing, so so you don't become obsessed with like ratings and sales, and you know I I, I think throwing yourself into another project is the best thing you can do. So I'm I'm going down a couple different research paths right now. I'm not sure where they're going to take me, um, but I'm I'm excited about it. It's a good distraction from from the um, you know first month of launch. Yeah. Will will this be um, along the same time period? Do you think? I don't know because, like you said, uh, I you know I have a couple different thoughts, uh, and I'm superstitious, so I'm not going to share just yet. <laughs> but um, you know, I I I know that there's been a, a enormous amount of interest and in writing in World War II. There's a lot of historical fiction, World War II historical fiction out there right now. So, um, I you know I'm, I'm looking at some other time periods as well, but I I do. 
um, still have a fascination with that era. And thankfully, it seems like other people do, too. So, so we'll see. Great. I can't wait to see what comes next. The new book, The Secret Stealers, is out available everywhere now. Uh, whenever you're hearing this, you can grab it in Kindle edition or paperback or audiobook, however you like to read uh, books. It's available in, in the format that you love. There's links to it in the show notes of this episode. Uh, Jane, if people are just discovering you and want to dig into all the great stuff that you do, where can they connect with you online? Um, well, you know, uh, for better or for worse, I'm on all social media, pretty much Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> Instagram. But I, I think the best way um, to find out what I have coming up is um, through my website, janehealy.com, H-E-A-L-E-Y. And I, ha- I do have a number of webinars coming up, one tomorrow, uh, one tonight with um, some of my author friends to s- sort of kick off launch. And then I have some webinars discussing the history behind the story of the secret stealers and that's that information and the sign up information on zoom is all available on my website excellent we'll put a link uh there for folks to in the show notes for folks to find uh, where they can connect with you in all those ways the new book the secret stealers is out everywhere go grab a copy of it today jane thank you so much for taking time to come back on the show hank this was awesome thank you so much for your support i really appreciate it Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, look no farther than Pico's House. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical yet courteous. They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, Pico's House is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started. Authors, I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website, your home on the web, where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20 or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting. And we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Hub-site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web.